For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Heavenly Father, we believe uh, that the power to be all that you've created us to be does not lie in us, but instead in your Holy Spirit, and that you quicken us, you bring us to life, you make us more than we could possibly be on our own because you love us so much that you would dwell inside of us. And today, you Holy Spirit, you are our topic. You are the reason that we are speaking. You are um, who we hope to reveal. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, for your help. Remove us from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through our lips. If there's anything that comes from us, anything that we think of that is smart or witty or funny, God, we pray that it's quickly forgotten. But if it speaks of your spirit, if it rings with your truth, if it drips with your grace, And we pray it takes root in the heart of every person here and that we are revived, saved, transformed because of what you have to say today. So, Father, remove every distraction. Focus all of our hearts so that no matter what happens outside these four walls, inside these four walls, we are glorifying you with all of our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at the jar, we are all about uh, three real three core values. One is joy, uh, and the concept of joy is that we have confidence because of the presence of God. That no matter what the situation is, we can handle it. And and the reason we can handle it is because He can handle it. He's bigger than we are, isn't He? And so we love the the concept of joy, and that brings a kind of happiness. It brings a kind of um, zest for life uh, inside of us. So we're excited about that. And we, we believe, though, the way to get to that is through the second core value, which is authenticity. And that authenticity is not just being real and being honest, but being really honest about who God made us to be and doing everything we can to live out of that understanding of who he made us to be. So it's not just being authentic in that we have decided who we are, but we're being authentic in that we have discovered who he made us to be. And after that, then, we take that joy and that authenticity into our relationships. The first is our relationship with God, and then the second is our relationship with people. Jesus summed it up this way. Hear, O Israel, Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what this relationship series is all about. The first one is about God, and we've gone through the Trinity. We talked about the Father two weeks ago and how he brings us security. We talked about, uh, Pastor Derek brought the, the message last week about Jesus the Son, and about how he brings hope into our lives. And today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who guarantees our future. 
Um, but here's the beauty of guaranteeing our future. The future begins now. And that's important for us, isn't it? Because the truth is that one of the things that scares us the most are the things that we don't know. It's what we are struggling with uh, that we, we, we get a chance to make up in our own minds what might happen. And suddenly we find ourselves worrying about the things that could happen when they may never actually happen. And we put ourselves in a place where uh, we are so nervous and fearful of what could happen that we freeze and paralyze ourselves in the now. Okay? So our desire today is to really focus on and approach it thinking of this tension. How can we face the future bravely, even if God doesn't tell us everything ahead of time? You know, there are some times when God doesn't, he doesn't give us enough, more than enough light for the next step, right? There are some times that he gives us the end result of what's going to happen, but that isn't going to be for a while. We've got to wait for it to get there. And it's good for us to try to figure out which way it is, uh, which way he's talking to us in this particular time. But only if we can fully trust him, only if we can fully understand what he's doing inside of us, can we face the future bravely. And you know this, every time we come together now at the JAR, we have a consider question, a chance for you to just personally consider something we're asking you so that your heart and mind can be ready with eyes to see and ears to hear for what God is teaching. This is our consider question today. How am I learning to listen for God's voice. All right, so today we are going to be in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. So that's in the New Testament. It is one of the four Gospels. John chapter 14 verses 15 through 17 is where we're going to be today. I'll give you just a second to get there. Now, put your finger on that because we're going to be moving around today. Yeah, we'll move We've around a little bit. We've got several passages to show you. And as we were putting this together, y'all, we could preach on the Holy Spirit for five hours or more. Yeah, maybe a year. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much when you look for him in the scriptures. When you really stop and start to look, there's so much there. Um, so we are going to try to keep this concise into three points and a prayer, right? Amen. <laughs> but we are going to, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. So we're going to start in John 14 as kind of the foundational passage. And then we'll, we'll tell you where the next passages are going. Before we read this, this is basically Jesus promising the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Okay. He's preparing them. He's getting them ready to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has come upon, he comes upon the disciples later on in chapter 20, right? And the Holy Spirit, all through the scriptures, moves in certain ways. But for the Holy Spirit to actually come upon us and in us, right, happens right in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, right? But before Acts 2 happens, John 20 happens, and Jesus comes to the disciples then. But what Jesus is doing in, in chapter 14 is kind of preparing them for that, right? For those of you who want to take notes, John 20, 22 says, Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Lord, the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now, that doesn't mean they necessarily like right then received the Holy Spirit. Right. What he was doing is he was preparing them way before he prepared what was going to happen on Pentecost. Right. So we're looking, we'll start in verse 15 of John chapter 14. And it said, Jesus is talking and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And that word helper there can be translated in several different ways. Advocator, comforter, counselor, encourager, all of my favorite words for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, coming from a social it. worker. Yeah, she, from a social worker, this is This a, just proves this is, whew, God was the first stuff. social worker. <laughs> it, right, the, right. The Greek word is paraklete. And what that means is to come alongside. Think about if you, if you like, you like you hurt your ankle and you were having to limp on your ankle, and someone came up underneath your underarm, you know, and put their shoulder up under your underarm and held you up, and then helped you get. That's what this word kind of means for us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So think of yourself as a person who is. Haven't you been injured? Haven't you been broken? Haven't you had things happen to you? Haven't you done things to yourself where, you, you know, you stepped off the sidewalk the wrong way and hurt your ankle and nobody was around to even see it, but you did it? Wouldn't it be great to have someone just come alongside you, come up under your arm and bear your weight for you? That's the Holy Spirit. Mm, it's good stuff. It's mm. good stuff. So this is, the, this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Um, you remember that um, if, you, if you haven't studied the scripture before, maybe the, you aren't remembering, maybe you're hearing for the first time, but Jesus uh, rises from the grave and he appears to his disciples and he tells them that I'm, I'm going ahead of you. So he has them go to Galilee and he, and, um, he spends 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then he says, okay, now it's time for me to go. And he ascends into heaven and he tells them before he does, wait for me. Wait there in Jerusalem until you are visited upon by the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2 is when we find out from Luke uh, that the Holy Spirit comes upon them on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after okay. he has risen again. Um, and on that day, they're in the upper room and they're praying. There's about 120 of them. And all of a sudden, some crazy stuff starts happening. The wind really picks up. Uh, there's, it, it, there's tongues as a fire that land upon them. We don't even know what that looked like at the time. But there is some great supernatural event. And when it hits them, just imagine the one that you thought you were following died. And you thought everything was over. Then he rose again. And he stayed with you for a while. And then he left again. And he said, just wait. And you've been waiting for 10 days. And waiting for what? I don't know. I don't know what, it, but I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to be. I just know we're supposed to wait. And in the meantime, Peter makes a lot. Okay, let's cast lots so we can find out who the other apostle is. Let's, let's, you know, he's trying to figure out what's the administrative things. How can we make this work? What does this look like? And then, boom, the Holy Spirit hits. And they cannot help themselves. They stumble out of the upper room. And they go out into the crowd. And they start talking. And they are talking. Now, some people call this a gift of tongues here. But I would call this a gift of ears. People hear them in their own language. It's a time of Passover and Pentecost. There are all kinds of Jews from all kinds of places all around them, there are proselytes who are not Jews who are tr trying to figure out how to be part of the Jewish culture, even though they're not born a Jew. And they are there, all different languages, and they all are going, wait a minute, I understand what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of that, Peter stands up and he gives the very first sermon. And his first sermon is basically this. You guys messed up. The Messiah came 
and you chose to kill him anyway. But that's okay because that's what the scripture said would happen. And now what you're seeing is what God prophesied in Joel. He said that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon all of us, our sons and our daughters, our servants' sons and our servants' daughters. Everyone is going to receive the Holy Spirit. They're going to be filled by him. And when that happens, we are not going to be able to help ourselves. We're going to prophesy. Now, to prophesy just means to give the word of God in such a way that it helps people to understand God in an even better way than you could have done so beforehand. It doesn't necessarily mean to tell the future, except it does mean to tell the future in this way. God's got this. Right. Doesn't matter what you're going through, God's got this. And so I'm going to prophesy how God's got this. Jesus died and he rose again. He conquered death and the Holy Spirit is yours if you would just repent and believe. And if you repent and believe and you are baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the remission of sins, and you will have a secure, guaranteed future. Right. Right. How good is God? That he loves us so much that he shows us right from the beginning that he is powerful and lives in us. So here's what, here's what we're saying. God loves you so much that he gave all of himself to live inside you if you would just let him. Well, he's already given his son, right? Mm-hmm. You know, first he gives up his only son because he loves you that much. I can't imagine, I have two sons, and I can't imagine watching that, that horror, right? And knowing the whole time that that's what's going to happen. And so first God gives us his son. He loves us so much that he gave up his own kid, right? His own son. And then to find out later on, even beyond in the passages, that now he loves us so much that he's giving all of himself to live inside of us. That's such a good God, y'all. Such a good God. He loves you so much. Um, This is someone that's divine. You know, he's not you or me. This is a divine being that loves you enough to say, I'm going to dwell within you if you ask me to. It's just, it's beautiful. And it's just what Jesus promised in, in that chapter 14 passage we told you about in verse 17. He says, this advocate is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Mm -hmm. To live with Jesus for three years and to hear everything that he has to teach and to see everything that he does, to watch him pray and think and speak and to heal people and cast out demons and and to create all of these opportunities for people to hear that he is the Messiah and he has come to save the world. And after all of that, to be able to participate, to be able to be the one going out and helping to heal, going out and casting out demons, going out and doing all those things, and then coming back and finding out that the power really wasn't just about when Jesus was alive. But when he dies and rises again, now the power can be in me. And then on Pentecost for it to fill me up and to all of a sudden realize all of this power that, that God, that Jesus told us was coming, is now, it's not with me, it's not by me, it's in me me. Mm -hmm. and if it's in me then i can never see things the same way again there is no way i can go back to who i was before i was talking to my daughter uh, anna and she was just she said can i just can i admit something to you she said i've been studying the book of acts she said i gotta admit something to you don't get mad (laughs) i said 
okay, what, what do you have to say? She said, the first 10 chapters of Acts is kind of creepy. <laughs> and I said, I'm intrigued. What do you mean? She said, just all of a sudden, these apostles who were so scared, they were hiding up in a room, and all of a sudden, they are so charged and excited. They're talking to the religious leaders. They're telling people to get up and walk. They, people are coming, Ananias and Sapphira come, and they offer only part of their funds and pretend that they're offering all of it and they drop down dead. Like, it's creepy how powerful God is in these guys. And they were so scared before and now suddenly they can't be stopped. I said, that's, that's not a bad thing at all to think. I'm not mad at all. As a matter of fact, it is kind of creepy <laughs> to think that God all of a sudden can infuse us with such power that we can see things in a completely different way. And all of a sudden, nothing is scary about the future. Nothing is scary about what happens next. Because that power that's living in me is big enough to handle whatever it is. You know what that gives me? Joy. You know what that allows me to be? Authentic. And you know what the Spirit is doing? The Spirit is giving us a whole new way of looking at life. All right, so let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you're John, turn right. You're going to go to Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait. <laughs> Do you can't say amen and wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait, amen. Oh, wait, amen. All right. First Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, we're going to be in verses 9 through 13. We're going to break down what the Spirit gives us, okay? So it says, That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything, right? Everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything and, is the same as all. Right? Yes, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. That is so cool. <laughs> his deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. Amen. Okay, so you're looking at that and you realize when, when you say yes to Jesus and you say yes to God and you say, yes, I want your spirit residing in me, living in me, what the spirit's going to give you is a whole new way to look at life. Okay, and I don't mean just life, oh, I'm living today, I'm taking a breath. Right, it's every step that we take. We are asking him to speak to us, to show us a new way, a different way, right, of looking at things. But what I love the most about God giving here is that, like I said, showing us God's deep secrets, right? When we pray, a lot of times we're praying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to go about doing this? Or, you know, whatever. And 
it's clearly stating here, God is saying, I've given you that. I, I will show you, you know. Now, obviously, prayer, he doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, right? right? But he's also saying, I'm going to show you. Sometimes he may show you immediately. Sometimes he may take a while to show you, right? Right? But he's going to reveal that. Those, and I love that we have that connection. We have that tap. We yes. have that ability. That relationship. That relationship with God, right? To say, Lord, what, what, is your, what is your deep secrets for me and for my life? What do you want from me as your daughter? What, what, are, you, what are your desires for me, right? And in the same way he knows my desires of my heart, now I can know his desires for me as well. And what a beautiful connection that is if we're willing and able and, and will allow him. So one of the things that we talked about Thursday night, I love this in GR, was uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 6. And so it turn from 1 Corinthians, turn left, you'll get into right. Romans. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting... The spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And the key word there is letting. And we talked about how in GR, you know, it's the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is not going to invade your space. He is not going to tell you what to do because of free will. (coughs) However, when you ask him and you say, Lord, what is the desires of your heart for me? I want to hear your voice. Let me hear you. I want you to guide me, right? You are allowing him to do that. And what happens? What happens? It leads to life and to peace, okay? It doesn't lead to death. So when the world is in our minds telling us things, right, that may not lead to life and peace, but the spirit will, and it begins in the mind. It begins saying, yes, Lord, I will let your spirit speak to me. Yeah, couple of three things here. I'm, I'm, I'm full of it today, so bear with me, because I, I want to tell you everything that I have so on my awesome. heart. So, yeah. so three things there. One is, if those of you who have been with us for a while, remember when we were going through the book of John, and we were talking about the difference between an earthly perspective and a heavenly perspective, this is how you get the heavenly perspective. Right. So what happens is, if you are, if, if something is causing you anxiety and chaos, that's probably not God. Right. If something is starting to create peace in you, that probably is God. Mm-hmm. And that new perspective suddenly is, now you aren't going, oh my goodness, I can't, I, maybe, maybe God doesn't want me to have this, or maybe God doesn't need, what doesn't mean for me to do this, or maybe God doesn't, immediately you know that anxiety is proving to you that that's either you speaking or the world speaking. It's not God speaking. But when you have a piece about what he's telling you, you're like, okay, right. I understand now. And that's the heavenly perspective. It's recognizing that whatever you're going through, that anxiety and worry, that's why he can say, do not worry. If, that, if he, he couldn't command us not to worry, if he couldn't give us the power not yeah, to worry. The tool to do that, right, the tool to do that. And the tool to do that is to have the perspective of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, when, when, when Carrie brought this out, this idea of letting the Holy Spirit control your mind, I, I, I come from a different persuasion, um, and I love the ESV, and in the ESV it says, set your mind on the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I said, how can you let your mind and set your mind? 
of the Holy Spirit. There's got it. There's, there's, it's, it's one or the other. And then I looked into the Greek and found out it's not one or the other. It's both. Mm-hmm. You see, this, this word, uh, phonema, means to have a, your visceral opinion. It's the thing deep down. It's what you feel the most. It's the very thing that, that motivates and orchestrates everything that you do. So if you let the Holy Spirit teach you that opinion, you begin to set your mind on it. Yes. It's both. I can't set my mind unless I let him. Right, right. I can't let him unless I'm willing to set my mind. Mm-hmm. And that means that I have to be pursuing the Holy Spirit as he's pursuing me. Right. If I want to experience the kind of peace that he's talking about here. That doesn't mean that it's our effort that makes it happen. Right. But it does mean that we become partners with God in his cleansing of us. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. That's, that's part of him living in us, is him not making us do anything, but allowing us to experience the holiness and righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Right. So let me talk just briefly. There oh, come on. Some... That's good preaching, y'all. It Somebody say preaching. amen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then I just want to talk about this real quick before we move on to the spirit guides. Okay? Yes. Some of you may be thinking, okay, Carrie, I, I, hear, I hear what you and Michael are saying, but Sometimes when I speak to God, I just don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to speak or to pray, right? And y'all know where I'm going. Because when you go on further down in Romans, and there's another aspect of the Spirit, right? And the Father who knows all hearts. So the word all. All means. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings. Groanings that cannot be expressed in words. This is one of my favorite passages. Y'all gets me pumped. Right, Because there are times in my life and in our relationship where we didn't know how to pray. Yes, that's right. We're like, God, I am so distraught or I am so down or I am so whatever in this moment. Or so confused. Or confused. I don't understand what's happening here. And so just to pause and to take a breath and to know that I can sit and still and be still before God, and that the Spirit will groan for me. <laughs> it just gives me goosebumps yes. every time I read yes. that passage. Yes. Because I don't have to have all the right words to say. I don't have to be perfect when I pray. Right? God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that He will advocate for us. He will speak for us. He will groan for us. So, and that's good stuff, y'all. So listen, it's that's why stuff. we have you do a prayer of expectation at the beginning of every gathering is because we are teaching you how to set your mind on heavenly things. We're teaching you that in order to be in a place to receive heavenly things, you have to have your mind prepared for heavenly things. You need to let the Holy Spirit work by setting your mind so that you can let the Holy Spirit work by setting your mind. And that begins a part of being just being a part of who you are. That's right. And the reason we can trust him with that is because he doesn't just give us a whole new way of looking at things. The Spirit guides us into truth so that we can be faithful. Okay. 
1 John 2, 27 says, but you have received the Holy Spirit. And that actually, the Greek word there is the anointing from him. Yes. And he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit, or that, uh, that the Spirit teaches you, anoints you in everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. Right? Because right? God cannot lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. One way the Holy Spirit helps an individual believer in the church is by communicating truth to us through the gospel. That's right. Which is why it's important for us to gather. Yes. It's important for us to gather together with more than, than just ourselves. Yes. Right? Because we're, we're, we're sharpening each other and we're learning from each other. Right? And he's going to communicate his truth to us. Yes. Right? And so he speaks to Sherry differently than he may speak to me, right? And he uses it in a much different way than he might use mine or Bubba's or Joy's, right? So recognizing that, that's the importance of gathering is because we are communicating the truth with each other through the gospel. And I love that the Spirit anoints us in teaching yes. or covers us. Yes. I love that visual. When, when you think of anointing, you know? think of somebody pouring oil over your head and it just running over your whole body. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be anointed. So you're being anointed in the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. <laughs> that is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just knowing the Holy Spirit guides guides us to him. He is the truth. Just ask the Spirit to guide you each and every day. Wake up every morning, even if you just have a, if the alarm goes off late, which I don't know about you all, but it happens to me a lot. Uh, and you're running late, just wake up and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And Spirit, guide me today. Simple prayer. Then when you get to the car, just keep on praying. Right? As yes. you're on your way to work. So I, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, remind you we said that john 14 a little bit later it also talks about the holy spirit that's john 14 26 it says but when the father sends the advocate as my jesus is talking as my representative that is the holy spirit he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything i have told you now he says this to the disciples right here and there's some people who are like well he said this to the disciples that's not just that's not for us too but this, there's actually three times in the scripture where he says this and one of those times, he says to all of the people who are in the crowd, not just the disciples, and he tells all of them that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And that means that we can trust him to guide us into truth. But if he's going to guide us into truth, I love that passage in 1 John because it says he's going to teach you everything, but he's going to teach you everything so that you may have fellowship mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ. He's going to glorify Christ every time. And so if, if you feel like God is telling you something, like if you're sitting there and you're married and, like, and you're like, well, God's telling me that really he wants me to have two men to love me, not just one. That's not God. Not of God. Right? It's not going to, if it doesn't glorify God's word, if it doesn't glorify your relationship with Christ, then it's probably not God, even if you feel like it gives you peace. So your peace is not the, the guideline. His word is your guideline. Right. So that you can hear the Spirit well. So guess what else you should be doing? If the Spirit's going to guide you into all truth, what should you be doing to help you hear the Spirit's voice? Stay in the truth. Stay in the truth. Stay in the, read His Word. You, Find out who, who, what God's character is and how He has asked us to live. And then when you hear the Spirit reminding you of that, by goodness, you will know. So in chapter 16, verse 8, it says, 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in Jesus. Righteousness is because Jesus is going to the Father. You will see him no more, which is a way of saying he's sending the Holy Spirit to be righteousness for us. And then judgment will become because the ruler of this world has already been judged. It's the ruler of this world who is judged. And so, listen, follow the, follow the concept. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind us that the way that we avoid conviction of sin is by believing in Jesus Christ. And the fact that he died and rose again and sent his Holy Spirit means we can now have his righteousness. He was made sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And then the judgment comes from the ruler of this world being judged and those who will not believe in Christ will be judged with him. Mm -hmm. So God isn't coming down and saying, did you do it right or did you do it wrong? He's coming down and saying, did you believe my son enough to give your allegiance to him? And if you did then you were righteous. The Spirit gives us a whole new way of looking things, looking at things, at life. And then he guides us into truth to be faithful. And the last thing that we have to share today is the Spirit guarantees us a hope and a future. That's right. That's right. Turn to Ephesians. So Ephesians is after the Corinthians. So if you're in John, you turn right, you go past the Corinthians, you get to the General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, Colossians. It could also be God eats popcorn, That's right. whichever one's easiest popcorn. for you to remember. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. And we had talked about this last week in Ephesians chapter 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ, right? In John 14, which we started with, as owned and protected by God. Verse 14, the Spirit is the guarantee, right? Or down payment, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste, all of those things of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory, right? And so we kind of briefly touched on that last week, but we're retouching on that again about that guarantee or two weeks ago. God gives the Holy Spirit to give us a guarantee, right? That's to confirm that we belong to him, that we are his children. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he guarantees of that. He is the payment. He is, you know, Christ died for us, but then also it is like the first down payment that the Spirit guarantees, a pledge, if you will. I like the word pledge. I do too. Actually, because what the Spirit is saying, now God, this one's ours. Yeah, yeah. This one's ours. You can't touch her. You can't touch him. That's right. Right? We have this pledge. Your Spirit is within him. Your Spirit is within her. They don't belong. She She or he does not belong to you. Okay? That pledge is from the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now carry that around. That pledge does not mean you will never experience strife again. It does not mean you will never make another bad decision. It does not mean that you will, uh, you will have a perfect life. You'll live in a mansion, drive a Maserati, and have 10,000 kids who are all Christians too. Like it, it isn't guaranteeing the best life. What it guarantees you is joy. And the opportunity to be authentic. Mm 
your relationship with God then brings you back to the beginning to have joy. Joy then allows you to recognize that you can be authentic. Authentic then allows you to have the relationship with God that then brings you joy. And that's why we've been teaching this because we want you to see it because I promise you that the more you learn and understand about this, what will happen though is you will be more aware of the attacks of the enemy. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you'll be thinking, man, the closer I get to God, the harder this gets. But the reason is because you are beginning to see with a heavenly perspective. And so now when things happen, you don't just think, that was weird. You think, he's messing with me. Because you're recognizing that our real battle is in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm. And if that's the case, then that means that we have a decision to make. We can bring our sight back down to where he is, or we can keep it where it's supposed to be and see things from that heavenly perspective. I think this is the right time for that illustration yes. to bring us into Okay. So I know not, many, not all of you are baseball players. I understand. Okay. But in baseball, pitchers are very particular about how they pitch to you. It's not just how fast they can throw it, and it's not about where they can throw it. It's about changing the eye level of the batter. So a pitcher will throw a high pitch so that the batter is looking up, and then he'll throw a low pitch thinking that it will be harder for him to see because he's looking for a high pitch because of the last pitch. He'll throw it inside so that he has to kind of back away from it and then throw it outside so that he has to kind of reach for it. And the whole idea of the pitcher to get the batter out, to swing three times and strike out, is to change the batter's eye level. So the best batters are the ones who decide, I'm going to swing and swing and swing and swing and swing at practice pitches until I know which eye level mm -hmm. is my sweet spot so that I know if something comes in this area, if I swing, I'm knocking that bad boy out of the park. And then I'm waiting until I get one of those pitches. So if the pitcher throws something down and my sweet spot is up, I'm letting it go. And that's why sometimes if you watch baseball, you'll see a, a batter, he'll be standing in the box and you know he's a good hitter and the pitcher will throw something and it'll be a strike right over the plate and he doesn't swing. You know why? Because it's not at the plane. It's not at the eye level that he wants the pitch. Now, a good pitcher will stay away from that, right? The batter will just say, okay, whatever. And sometimes they've got to foul it off just to, just to go on to the next pitch. But what they're looking for is that eye level. I'm going to wait until it's in that plane. And the best hitters, you know, man, because when it gets in that eye level, the ball comes off that bat like it was shot out of a cannon. You need to see on the spiritual plane. You need to see that eye level. The enemy is going to try to pull your eye level down into the muck with him. Or it's going to try to make you see over it and be too proud to listen to God. But there's a sweet spot in the spiritual realm where you can see what's happening. And you know that your heavenly father is taking care of everything. And all you have to worry about is saying yes to him. And if I keep saying yes to him, this is going to work out because I'm not changing my eye level. I don't care what Satan pitches me. So what we're saying is be locked in. Be locked in on what the Holy Spirit is teaching you today. Listen, this is why it's so important to pray without ceasing. 
Pastor Steve introduced me to a lady named Linda the other day, and she was telling us that when she, she has a prayer list, she puts it on her coffee pot so that when she wakes up in the morning, she goes to make her coffee, the prayer list is right there. So she makes her coffee, she pulls the prayer list off, and while the coffee's making, she's praying. But then she said an interesting thing. She said, and I never say amen. Because for so many people, amen means the end of the prayer, and I don't plan to end my prayer all day long. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to end it when I get done tonight. And tomorrow morning, I'm just going to continue the same prayer with this prayer list. I am never going to say amen. Now, all amen means is so be it. Amen was never meant to be the period on the end of your prayers. <laughs> amen was, was meant to be what you say when you hear God's truth. Right, right. This is what we are telling you, is that prayer, praying without ceasing isn't about bowing your head and closing your eyes. Praying without ceasing means that I'm taking God with me into every single situation I'm in today. He's going to be with me. He's going to guide and direct me. He's going to give me a different perspective. And he is going to guarantee my future no matter how this turns out.